Hey, it's Sam, and you're listening to Catch All, the podcast, a show for creating a life well-lived. We explore topics ranging from relationships and business to mental health and pop culture and everything in between with friends, experts, and people who generally have their shit together. Let's get into it. Hey, hi, hello. Welcome back to the podcast. This is episode number eight. And I have to tell you, I am so excited that you're here. This is definitely one of my favorite episodes so far. I had the honor of sitting down with my sister and talking about how passion can really change the trajectory of your life and how she found herself in a career that she loves and that she's extremely good at. Uh, So without further ado, we'll get into it, and I hope you enjoy. This is my sister, Katie. And we are back with my, what is this? My third guest. Oh my gosh, girl, you're my third guest. I am here today with my sister, Katie, and I am so excited because, well, number one, I'm excited because I just miss her because we haven't been able to see each other like in six weeks or more because of this friggin' Rona, Um, but also because we're going to be talking about passion and how you can find that in your life and sort of how that can make a huge difference in your quality of life and where you're going and what you're doing and all sorts of great stuff. So without further ado, I would like you to welcome my third guest, Katie. Hello. Happy to be here. (laughs) Oh, I'm so glad, girl. I just can't believe that you're here. It's like... A dream come true. I know. I feel like I'm actually there. I cannot. <laughs> um, so so why don't you? Yeah, tell us. Tell us a little bit about yourself for those of you, those of the the people that are listening that don't know who you are and um, aren't familiar with you. So why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, like what you do for fun? Um, just give us a little insight. So I'm Katie McKinnon. I am Samantha McKinnon-Hale's sister, younger sister. We are three years apart. I am a community outreach worker, um, and I work with older adults in the community who are living with dementia and have um, responsive behaviors that are kind of coinciding and kind of uh, go with dementia, if you will, or other kind of neurocognitive um, diseases that one could have, such as a stroke. My hobbies kind of, uh, I'm a little bit of a lazy gal, so I like to watch, (laughs) I like to watch Netflix, I like to nap, that's my number one hobby, if you ask my boyfriend. Um, I like to work out, I have a YouTube channel that I upload videos every now and again on, um, I drink a lot of tea, a lot of wine, depends on who you're asking. Um, And yeah, that's me in a nutshell. (laughs) That sounds great. So Netflix, occasional workouts, a YouTube video here and there, and tea and wine. Yes. Like what else could one ask for, really? 
I know you're so right, girl. That's like <laughs> I don't even think we need to continue. I think we've got all we need. <laughs> I know. Might as well just stop right here, honestly. Oh, <laughs> that's so nice. That just like sounds like such a like like an old soul way of approaching life, you know? I really, I do think that, and I have said this before, I do think that I was um, born at the wrong time. I think like I, in the wrong like generation. Yeah, like I always like I love eighties music, and you know this, and anyone who know, is very close to me like knows that I blast eighties playlists all of the time. So it's kind of I think I was just born in another time. Well, born in this time, but should have been born in another time. But here we yeah. are. Yeah, I mean, you're you're just trying to do your best, and yeah. that's all we can ask for, you know. All you can ever ask for, exactly. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> so let's get into some of the fun stuff. And one of the reasons that I wanted to have you on the show, um, well, firstly, there's two things. The first reason is that I think that you have a really wonderful story to tell in regards to how finding your passion can sort of change the trajectory of your life. Um, but also because if I can be completely candid, that option got the most votes on the Instagram poll that I did like two weeks ago. Um, so people really want to know how finding your passion can sort of change your life. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm glad that you picked me. <laughs> well, yeah, because, and I did because, um, Obviously, well, I know this and people close to you know this. So for for the listening audience at home, um, you went from uh, being somebody who didn't totally love school, didn't maybe do the best in school, to somebody who went to college and got a certificate and then went back and got a diploma and then actually ended ended up going to university and getting a degree in gerontology. And so... I'd love for you to speak on, you know, how, how things changed and why you went from somebody who, you know, really wasn't into school, wasn't about it. Um, and how you, you know, ended up being somebody that has like three, three, um, you know, documents from higher education and, and has like a professional designation now. Now I've been thinking about this, honestly, since you sent me kind of what you're going to talk about. <laughs> um, I never really kind of sat down and really thought about kind of where I was and where I am now. Cause as people who know me, and if you don't know me, I'm very go with the flow. I do kind of what just comes to me type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was uh, a little hard to kind of look back at those times this afternoon because I like I don't know I guess I haven't addressed it in a long time but uh, mm-hmm. school I struggled in grade school I struggled a lot um, regular what is it like education um, grade school education never really came very easy to me and mm-hmm. I grew up in a household with you <laughs> um, nothing that nothing bad about that but you were great at school and I think it was um, kind of my own my own thing that it was I wasn't good so why try you know mm-hmm. um, and I struggled with that all of grade school um, so that I think is kind of why I struggled the most is that I always was trying to be somebody who I was not um, mm-hmm. and I always like I just always thought that I wasn't good enough you know 
Um, and then, it, like I said, that kind of just led me to the point, well, if you're not good at it, then why try? Uh, I don't even know how long ago it was, but I decided that I wanted to be a nurse. Um, and that was what I wanted to do. Um, to be honest, a lot of days, it's still what I want to do. But I didn't have obviously the grades because like I said earlier, I didn't try in high school. So uh, I didn't have the grades to go to um, get into a nursing program. So I applied for to the PSW certificate program, uh, which is personal support worker at George Brown College. Uh, And I got into that no problem, Um, went through that no problem. And then I had a <clears throat> I had a very I already, I already know what you're gonna say. <laughs> yeah, I had a very gnarly experience. I won't go into detail, but it does involve uh, a bowel movement um on my foot and I decided that I never I never wanted to do that ever again. Um that type of work. I just wasn't cut out for it. I didn't have um I don't I don't want to say patience, but I just didn't have the um, willpower for it. And every single day I commend those who are PSWs for doing what they do. Um, because honestly, without them, uh, the care system wouldn't go around. And I strongly believe that, but I'm going to be honest, it wasn't for me. So, um, I pretty sure I came home and I was bawling to you. I remember we were sitting on Muzz and dad's bed and you're like, I'm tired of hearing about it. Cause I do complain. Uh, pretty often so (laughs) I think that's genetic yeah I think it's actually I don't want to say this to any McKinnon that's listening but I think it's a McKinnon thing um but yeah Yeah, we have have a flair for the dramatics (laughs) yes we really like to exaggerate and just be dramatic all of the time so um I was crying and you're like I've had it so you went on the computer and on the internet and just kind of looked up some programs that kind of involved um, some of the, like, you were like, what do you want to do? Uh, what do you like? What aspects of uh, care do you like? You know, like this, that, and the other. And I'm just shooting off random shit. Are you, are we allowed to swear on here? Yes. Yeah. Shooting off random shit. And you're just like plugging it in. And then the next thing, uh, we found was, uh, the activation gerontology, um, program at George Brown as well. And the catch was, is if I maintained, I believe it was a 3.0 GPA, I could, it was like a bridge to Laurentian University. And that kind of sparked my attention because I mean, how hard is it to do at that point have a 3.0 after (laughs) going through PSW where you needed a 4.0 all of the time because Mm -hmm. at George Brown, the PSW program, they kind of teach you to basically be a nurse without calling you a nurse. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, that's manageable. So, I mean, I applied, got in, no problem. Uh, finished my PSW certificate, and then I did my George Brown, uh, my activation coordinator at George Brown uh, diploma, finished that, no problem. Um, that, like, came easy to me. I think I had a four, I was on the dean's list all, like, it was four, two years so all four semesters uh Mm -hmm. which looking back at that girl in high school who never thought she was good at good enough there's that girl with the 4.0 gpa being like yeah sister you're you're pretty good and then i i applied for laurentian university for the uh BA in gerontology. So that's a Bachelor of Arts in gerontology. And, you know, I'm going to be honest. I remember when I applied, I was like, I'm applying for shits and giggles. I don't think I'll get in. But, you know, like, 
why wouldn't I get in? But I mean, there's that girl in high school who never thought she was good enough again, um, coming out to play. And I said, I was like, whatever, like, if I don't get in, I don't get in. If I do, I do. I had a dry, a job lined up outside of um, George Brown, my first program, or sorry, my second program, um, a recreation job at a long term care facility. So I was like, I have a job, like, if I have to, if I get accepted, I get accepted. If not, not. So I remember I was um, in Pennsylvania, of all places. I'm not going to say why. Mm -hmm. Uh, People who know why I was there. (laughs) That's all you need to know. Um, I was in Pennsylvania, and I was checking my emails. I had to do schoolwork. And an email from Laurentian came in, and it said, you've been accepted or whatever the heck those friggin' admission emails said, say. And I was like, and I literally, I think I shit my pants. Like I was like, there's, <laughs> there's no way like this, this went to the wrong person. Like, there's no way. like, are you sure this is the Katie McKinnon that you want? And, um, I remember who I was with, I'm jumping around. I'm like, Oh my God. Like I got into this program. I friggin' turned on my phone at this time. Like there was no such thing as like a $2 roaming fee or whatever the hell. And I called my parents or our parents. And I was like, I got into Laurentian. I got into university. I got and like all I, like, I remember I was jumping and I kept like, and I was crying of how, like joy and Muzz and Dad, do they know Muzz and Dad? Muzz and Dad, our parents were, um, uh, I think they were crying. I don't know. I couldn't tell. I couldn't see them. I was crying, so it didn't matter. And <laughs> and um, to this day, that has to be, like, the like proudest moment of my life. Because, honestly, looking back at uh, my life prior to um kind of that day when I found out that I got accepted I never thought that ever I would ever 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 go to university let alone finish two programs at a college so then I went through university university was well the only problems that I had were women's studies uh <laughs> the art of what was it the women in arts and the black iris it's another story for another day but um yeah so then I kind of figured out where I was at in the world and what I wanted uh, in terms of a career and yeah and that's kind of what happened I think uh, what changed, I guess that was a really long explanation to that question. That's okay. That's a great girl. (laughs) uh, What changed is I figured out my niche. I figured out what I like to do, what I like to learn, what I like to like, how I like to use my mind, what I like to do for fun, you know, and stuff about older adults and their life and their the way they work and their brains and all that stuff just came easy to me and I know that sounds very cliche but it did like it literally was like clockwork it I knew like I knew it like the back of my hand it comes easy to me and it's something that I will always 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 love so that's that well and it's interesting too that you you say that it came easy to you because up until that point you know, it didn't, nothing came easy to you in turn as far as like education went. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that that's, um, that's it exactly. Like nothing ever came easy to me until, um, I started to kind of learn about dementia or, um, interpersonal communication with people who have dementia or, um, kind of the care aspect, um, for people, even the recreation based things, like all that stuff was like, literally it was a part of my brain that I, 
I still think was always there. I just never knew it was there. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. <laughs> Which, yeah, yeah, for who sure. Knows? <laughs> yeah, well, it's interesting that, you know, it ends up being such a game changer in terms of, you know, there I there was a, a point in time when you were in high school that we were like, like, what is she going to do? Because we didn't know that you were going to, you know, get into a program because you, you know, you didn't really have great marks. You were always late, like literally every day you were late, at least like to one or maybe seven classes. Yeah. I'm going to say like at least every class I was late and like, it would be, it would be a shock if I was um, like there within like 10 minutes of a class starting. Like I think I went to every class maybe half an hour late just in time to catch the attendance person. And then I was there. Yeah. <laughs> because uh, according to Muzz and Dad, you were always just there for the social. Yeah. I was always there to just talk in the halls or like I wasn't actually there for the learning part of school. I was just there to uh, make friends or whatever. <laughs> oh, that's the best. Um, so let's talk about, because obviously, like, as you mentioned about how, you know, we did some research about different programs that you could get into and and things that were sort of up your alley in terms of what you were interested in and, and where you could see yourself sort of fitting in, in the working world. Um, so let's talk about like, what made you passionate about supporting the aging community? Um, and the follow-up to that too is, you know, obviously we have, we have grandparents, you have dealt with people like prior to, to it being your job, you had dealt with people who required care, who had dementia, Alzheimer's, you know what I mean? So like, how did you know that it wasn't just something that you did that it was like, oh, this is family. So I'm going to do this for this person. But how did you know that you could actually like turn that into a career as well? Honestly, um, I do think that it kind of came from when I was kind of hanging out with our grandparents. I was very young when I started to kind of uh, go to um, follow-up appointments, whether that was diagnosis appointments or medication appointments, or if that was a chemotherapy appointment, a surgery, um, after post-op, you know, I went to a lot of appointments (laughs) with our grandparents, which to this day, I don't really understand how I weaseled my way into doing that. Like, I just like, I no offense to any of our family, but like my cousins or you, I just, I don't know why it was always me that was doing that, but I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever we're here, <laughs> we're here. Yeah. Um, and I think by doing that, I kind of, I got used to hanging out with or kind of being surrounded by people who were older adults, um, the elderly. So I think through that is when I was like, you know what, I think I want to be a nurse because I had this, like I had such a a mind for medications and I could remember um, like our grandfather's medications, like the back of my hand. I remember I I wouldn't even be with him for three months and I knew what doses he had to have and when he had to have them all of the time. Like it was like the strangest thing to me um, at that point. Um, So I was like, you know what, I think, I think I want to be a nurse Um, and then when I kind of like, obviously was not so (laughs) great in high school, so I didn't have those marks. I kind of had to think of a backup plan. Um, Mm -hmm. and that's when I was, uh, 
that's when I applied for the, uh, sorry, the PSW program, which um, had a placement in long-term care. And then through long-term care, I kind of got to see that recreation side of things, like the more fun side of working with people who are older and like, you know, and lighting up their life by playing balloon tennis, the simplest thing, but it's literally like the best thing in their, in their life. And I was like, this is awesome. I want to do this every day. Um, Mm -hmm. Like I want to, make people's lives better. Um, and then I don't know, I just like, I've always gravitated to the older population and I don't like, I, I don't know why, like, I wish, (laughs) I wish there was like a grand, a grand answer. Um, but it's just like, it's my shit. Like I literally, like, I love old people and like, I know that sounds (laughs) weird, but like, I love them. Like they have, here we go the passion the passion's coming out but like they have the best stories they pave those paths for us you know like they live through the spanish flu we're going through corona they live through the spanish flu you know like i just like there's so many um like and i love history like i love their history like i just love it all (laughs) yeah and that's it's so interesting because like i always say Um, you know, like when I describe you and even like when I was giving the toast at our wedding and how I talked about how you have this like way of approaching life that like is so patient and so selfless, especially when it comes to the aging population that like, I know it's not for everybody. You know Uh what I mean? Like, (laughs) I know I couldn't do it. I don't have the patience. I get squeamish about all sorts of things. Um, So it, yeah, I mean, it's interesting that that you, I mean, you can recognize that it's a, a certain, a certain special thing about yeah. you that obviously isn't, you know, going to be for everybody. Yeah. And I think that um, sometimes I forget, like, I, I think sometimes I just assume that other people are like me. Um, so when they don't like understand, like why I love like sitting down and just talking with somebody who has no idea what they're talking about, because they have dementia, why like that kind of <laughs> gets me going, they're like, well, isn't that annoying? I'm like oh right you don't know what I'm talking about you know like I don't like I sometimes like I forget that part um Mm -hmm. about me but yeah like I I honestly like I don't I to this day and like I try to I actually do think about this very often like why do I like this like why do I like what I do and like why am I why am I the way I am um but I couldn't be more grateful because obviously it's uh, brought me to where I am today. So Mm -hmm. yeah, definitely. Well, I think that just speaks to the idea of, of a calling really, right. You know, like there is no logical explanation for it necessarily. I mean, yeah, you have the background of, you know, growing up and and attending appointments and being sort of hyper involved in in that sort of thing, but you know, what, what made that happen? And and so if I think, I think if you really trace it back, it is this, this element of, you know, having a calling and, and that's sort of, you know, your purpose, Exactly. Um, which yeah. I think, I mean, it, it sounds really grandiose and it's a little woo-woo, you know, which I know you're not a fan of. <laughs> yeah, no, I was, uh, I actually like literally 10 minutes ago, um, I was telling our mom, Muzz, I was telling her, I was like, how am I going to do this? Like, I, I do not like to boast about myself at all. Um, I, this is probably the most unhumble, but I'm going to say I'm very humble about what I do. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't, like I put a very f- humorous flair to it. I never put that, you know, 
I'm the best thing since since sliced bread because that's just not who I am. I just kind mm-hmm. of do what I do because I love to do it. So right, yeah. I even uh, talked to Patrick today, and I was like, "What the hell am I gonna say?" Like, I I never talk about myself or like kind of why I like to do what I do and you know why I'm passionate about it. Right. So right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? It's interesting because part of the reason that I that I sort of started the podcast. Um, was so that people could tell stories because I feel like everyone is, you know, they can have that opportunity to be inspired by what you do um, or what anybody that that I have on here does, you know what I mean? And and so being exposed to a different type of career or a different industry um, by having somebody come on here, you know, there may be somebody listening that th- never thought that they could actually have a career, you know, playing balloon tennis with mm-hmm. elderly people in a long-term yeah care facility but now they know um, so I think it is important to tell the stories about ourselves um, so I think you're doing a great job by the way if I can just say thank you thank you I that. Um, so with that in mind you know in the event that there is somebody that's a little more curious about this type of industry and, and getting into a career in you know in long-term care or you know with elderly care or whatever it may be what would you say are like some important skills that somebody who's looking to enter the field of gerontology or like anything regarding the aging population, like what should people sort of already possess or like what could they maybe work on before they actually get into the field? I definitely think the biggest skill or trait or whatever you want to call it uh, to have is you have to be empathetic. You have to be empathetic to the client or the resident or the patient's situation, their family situation, the workers around you, their situation, because it is a very, very, very stressful job. Even when it's kind of light and airy and you're playing balloon tennis, it is very um, cognitively taxing on somebody. So um, I think being empathetic is like what every healthcare provider should possess. Do they all? No, but I mean, Somewhere deep down inside, there is that empathetic bone in their body and the reason why they chose to do what they do. But yeah, I definitely think empathy is a big skill trait that everybody should have when it comes to healthcare. And I also think um, like problem solving skills, you have to be able to think on your toes all of the time, uh, especially when it comes to uh, the population that I work with, um, people with dementia. Uh, we don't like to say that they are unpredictable because it's actually they are very predictable because they have a disease, but um, it is new every single day. Everything is always new. So you have to be able to kind of move and adapt to that. So having good problem solving skills is like, well, you'll be golden, like literally golden because I use my problem solving skills literally every day. My job requires it, but that's a really good one. And then uh, the willingness to constantly be learning. Um, mm-hmm. Healthcare is ever changing. Every single day, something is new. Like COVID, how to um, deal with dementia and, uh, dementia and COVID, how to keep your family member from wandering outside during COVID when you know that if they go out there, they could get infected 
or, you know, different systems, different processes, uh, different funding, like you always have to have that willingness to kind of change and adapt and kind of learn everything new. And there's always courses to take like I, uh, anybody who works with me knows that we have a lot of things to always do like we always have to take courses so <laughs> you have to be like it's kind of funny to look back at it because like I hated school growing up and I hated learning and now literally that's all I do like I literally have like a seminar or a course all of the time so just kind of having that open mind and willingness is to learn uh, is like a huge huge asset Definitely. Okay. Those are some good ones. And I think, I think a lot of that is actually applicable to like just about every career path that you could take. But yeah, it's definitely relevant, uh, especially when it comes to to healthcare and the aging population. And and as you mentioned, just with the introduction of, of, you know, COVID and everything that's going on with that, I mean, not only are people having to manage, you know, wandering parents or grandparents or whatever it may be, but there's also, you know, the added risk of, you know, um, the virus spreading in long-term care homes or retirement homes, um, you know, and all of these different things that, that are, you know, it wasn't something that people had to worry about until like six or eight weeks ago. And now that's what's top of mind. So it's, you know, like you said, being adaptable and, and, you know, figuring out how to navigate those sort of ever changing conditions. Yeah. And I mean, um, I asked, (laughs) I asked dad what he thought a good skill for healthcare worker would be. And he said, patience. And I said, yeah, okay, you need to be a patient person. And you know, you have to have that skill. But patience is literally the least of your worries when kind of you're dealing with the grander scheme of things, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. So I know a lot of people will say like, oh, you know, you need to be patient. No, like you just need to kind of be good at your job. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know what, actually that's, that's okay. But what I think, what I think is part, part of it too, in terms of being good at, at your job in, you know, as, as somebody working with an aging population is this element of advocacy Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, how to your point, it is the bigger picture. It, It is advocating for the health and well-being of your client, you know, on a grand scale in terms of, you know, the different programs and and how funding is allocated and, um, you know, all of that sort of thing. So, yeah, I agree that, you know, there's certain elements of, you know, patience or or sort of these more soft skills, but at the end of the day, all of it really is sort of umbrellaed under this idea of advocacy. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And honestly, I think all of us healthcare workers are like, we are badasses. Like we, yeah, okay, we're nice. And we have that patient piece to us. Okay, well, most of us do. But like, we are badasses. Like we advocate, we fight for our clients, we fight for our residents, we fight for our patients, we do that every day. We wake up every morning and we work for seven or 12 or 24 hours and we are badasses and we fight every single day for our clients. So um, I think, like you said, like it is about advocation and like that's what we do. Is advocation a word? Advocating? It is now. Okay. See? <laughs> I didn't do well in high school, people. You didn't pass the spelling test, but you sure know how to advocate. That's right. We're advocation station over here. 
Oh, that's good. Oh, um, okay, so let's let's continue on in the vein of healthcare and healthcare workers, and let's talk about maybe you could tell me some advice that you might have for um, healthcare workers or people that are working with an aging population um, who may be susceptible to burnout, and how you sort of keep that boundary between your home and your client life and how you separate those or if you, you know, if you can't separate those, or if you've struggled to do that, um, you know, maybe just talk a little bit about that, that whole side of it. For myself, uh, I'm going to use some Olivia Pope references if there's any scandal <laughs> fans out there. Um, okay. But I, I have several different hats. So I have my work hat that I wear at work. And as soon as I leave the building, my hat comes off and it's home hat. I leave work at work and I leave home at home. Um, and I have always been like that. Um, my work life is very separate from my home life. Yeah, okay, I'll tell the odd funny story um, about my day or, you know, something that happened. But for the most part, work is work and family is family. And I've always tried to keep that very separate um, just for my own kind of well-being. And kind of what I do now, it it does get very heavy at times. Uh, I can't go into too much detail about it, but there's times where I do, I have struggled with taking that home with me and kind of um, wearing that on my shoulders, uh, especially when I first started in the job that I am in, that I am in now. And I think as gutless as this says, you kind of get that tough shell around you and you kind of, well, I've kind of, <laughs> you as in me, <laughs> um, I've kind of learned to kind of, I don't know, it's, I'm just tough. Like I have that tough um, exterior and when I'm at work, it's very, very hard to break that. Uh, to some people, it might not make sense or be the best way of coping with kind of what I deal with, but it works for me and that's all that kind of matters. And like I said, like, well, when I was driving home from work, I would call Patrick, my boyfriend, um, normally after every day, I would tell him about my day and then that would be it. I would stop talking about it and then I would stop thinking about it until eight o'clock again the next day. <sighs> in terms of how to help with burnout, like you need to do things for you. So for me, I like to wash my face. I love skincare. So I make sure I do my skincare routine, even if it's two hours long. That's for me. Like you have to do things for you. Because at the end of the day, when you go to work for, so for me, I work for eight hours a day and I'm caring about other people no one's really caring about me at those times. So mm -hmm. it's good when I get home to care about myself for a little bit. Right. So that's like my biggest thing. Like I'll have a bath or um, I'll eat a piece of chocolate because I want to, you know, like it's, well, that's why I don't eat chocolate because I'm allergic to dairy, but that was a bad <laughs> example. Um, but... <laughs> um, but like I'll eat a chip, you know, like, well, several chips. Oh, just like, one chip? I have very good self-control. That is something. I yeah. Okay. You do not eat one chip. Okay. Maybe five, like whatever's on the bowl is the number. Just kidding. I'll eat the whole bag, but it's fine. <laughs> I was going to say you're related to me. There's no way you're eating just one chip. <laughs> uh, okay. Whatever. I eat a whole bag. What's, what's it to you? <laughs> What's it to my waistline? Nothing. <laughs> What's your favorite chip? 
oh, ketchup chips, hands down, but I can't oh. eat freaking ketchup chips because they have dairy in them. So don't even get me going on that. That's a whole podcast on its own. I'll tell you that for free right now. Right oh, I'm getting sister. heated. I'm getting heated. Oh no. The dairy debacle is back. Oh God. The life. Um, um but yeah. Okay, so so let's get back to this. So let me let me ask you though, like when you first started, like when you did your very first placement in like a long-term care home, do you have is it noticeable the difference in terms of like how you handle that or how you manage that now in terms of regulating for burnout, in terms of leaving your work at work? Is it different now than when it was when you started? Like is it really just about time and getting used to it? Or yeah. Like, what- oh yeah, like that's exactly it. It is time. Um, I mean, every person who works in healthcare always remembers the first person who they were close to that died. Um, Mm -hmm. you remember them, but then the second death kind of gets a little easier and third. And then next thing you know, you've been around for 700 deaths. 700 is a big word, but I mean, people who have been in the field for several years Mm -hmm. have been through 700 deaths. But I mean, I, after 10 or 12, you just, they're, they kind kind of come second nature, which sounds very morbid, but it is what it is. Um, Mm -hmm. and that, and that is exactly my mindset when it comes to things now. Um, back in the day, I mean, I did bear a lot of kind of heartache when it came to that type of stuff. So death or somebody struggling or just kind of the diagnosis that people may have, or, you know, kind of be like oh well how do people end up like this you know like there's just so many there were so many things that I would think of whereas now I think my mindset has completely changed like it it, to me like I said it is what it is it is my Mm day-to-day life when I was fresh you know bright-eyed Katie I was very naive to kind of what was going on in the world especially now um compared to what I know now Mm -hmm. I was in a very little bubble because you know I only had my four grandparents who I knew and like I knew what their issues were um but there was there's a lot of other obviously (laughs) there's a lot of other people in the world right? right so I was very naive and now I think and like I'm not 40 by any means so it's not like I've uh like lived a life, but I lived, I've been in this field for like a pretty long time now. So I think that with that experience kind of comes that kind of way to balance and uh, figure it out and kind of work your way through the trials and tribulations. That was really lame. Yeah. It's true. (laughs) Yeah, no, 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 for sure. Um, And it's interesting too, because I think, like you said, there's sort of a mindset mindset shift in the sense of, you know, when you're kind of green, you have more like existential questions, like how did this person get here? Or, you know, why were they dealt this hand? Or, you know, a lot of like really big, you know, sort of non-tangible questions that it's like you're never going to have the answer to that whereas now you approach things more systematically in the sense of you know what do I need to do to advocate for this client or you know what do I what sort of process or um, care do I need to implement for them to be getting the best quality of life rather than you know like I said those big questions that never really are going to have an answer Yeah, exactly. I think now my mindset is they're here with me now. What can I do with them? You know, like what or not what Mm -hmm. can I do with them, but what can I do for them? You know, Um, the, 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 
beginning and middle don't really matter to me. It's the right here, right now. And that's kind of, um, that took a long time to learn for sure. Yeah, that's, that's a really great way of looking at it, I think. So you talked about this a little bit already, but what, other than chips and two-hour face routines, what gets you through some of those tough days or, or how do you de-stress? Um, de-stressing. So I don't want to say I work out to de-stress because to be honest, working out stresses me out. And Bernard, Brandon, Smith is husband, if you're listening, sorry, not sorry. Um, <laughs> I want to say that I... Um, do that and, and healthy but uh to be honest and I know this is not for everyone and I'm very much like our dad in this way but I just deal with things like I just deal with things and I don't do anything specifically to kind of get me through the kind of tough days so it's kind of hard for me to put my my finger on it I mean when I do have a tough um client or a case I will uh call Patrick my boyfriend and kind of debrief about my day and tell him what's kind of going on I have a really like we have really good support systems at work that I can kind of call and kind of go through things like that um but I drive an hour back and forth to work every day And I use that as my time to kind of, I don't want to say reflect, but it's more to just kind of let my mind be at ease. Like, yeah, yeah, decompress. decompress. Like, you know, I just kind of let my mind do what it needs to do. I listen to some gangster rap or I listen to really mopey, sad country music or I listen to um, my 80s freaking flash dance, you know, whatever, whatever (laughs) gets me going that day. So I do think that that is subconsciously how I deal with things Um, Mm -hmm. but for the most part and I think anybody who knows me very well is I press on right Um, yeah I just I just press on regardless Um, and that is that line actually was from a resident that um, I used to work with back in long-term care so she used to say that all the time so I use that constantly because that nothing describes me more than I just press on Um, there are shit days but the way I look at it is tomorrow's a new day, you know, <laughs> might be more yeah. shit, might be less shit, but frick, we're going to get, we're going to get after it, you know? So <laughs> we're going to press on. Yeah. Like, I think, yeah. I don't know. I think, I don't know how I am like this, but I, I have a very positive outlook on life. I know sometimes I do complain a lot, but like I, in general, um, I do try to see that glass half full or whatever the hell. Mm-hmm. Um, that line is but I do kind of see the positive side of things a lot of the time so um, so do you think that you're like gonna still be looking into nursing at this point or not so much? <laughs> yeah actually um I'm gonna say like once a week I look into a different course to um <laughs> go into nursing uh yeah it's definitely on my radar for the next uh two or three years I need to kind of figure out some things in my personal life obviously um Mm -hmm. on how I could manage that um but yeah it's definitely I will not die without being a nurse so I will be (laughs) a nurse one day wow okay I'm 60 and I'm in nursing college or if it's next year that was my goal that was uh what literally paved the path that I'm walking on right now um so I gotta fulfill the goal naturally Natch. Yeah, of course, girl. Yeah. 
Wow. Well, that's about all the questions I have for you with regards to like passion. So before we sort of wrap this up, um, like when can we expect your next YouTube video? Oh, I am trying to think of one. Um, I'm hoping like next week because I filmed a what I eat in the quarantine day. But it was literally a 45 second video. Like I didn't, like I thought, I thought I'd be super cool and artsy and just show <laughs> like what I was eating like on the counter. But like I don't, like I eat a lot, but I don't eat a lot. Like I eat three meals a day. So really, how much footage is there for three meals a day? So I think I'm going to. Well, like were you like cooking it or it was just to no, show the meals? I just showed the meals. So I think I need a little extra to add on it naturally like I, well like, this is what I think you probably should do because obviously we know you have well at least an affinity for baking because <laughs> of the whole almost went into pastry arts story for another time yes but here's what I think we should do I facetimed you just a few days ago and you had the phone leaned up against the, ca- <laughs> the counter <laughs> and you were cooking <laughs> I was cooking some lunch and I think that you should do like a miniature cooking show in that as well wow like a baking series I could do it well whatever but like just show and like talk to the camera like it's like a cooking show okay I think I could get after that I do love my food network like that is was my favorite channel to watch growing up some people watch cartoons this gal watched Michael Simon okay or what was it? Anna Olsen. Is it Anna Olsen? Yeah. Anna yes. Olsen. And how could I forget Ina Garden, the Barefoot Contessa? Although I did. Yeah, I'm actually really years. offended. I'm offended that you didn't say her first. Best for last, always. Oh, well, yes, that's true. That's what I think you should do. It should be a segment within the channel called Katie Cooks. Oh. And it should just be your YouTube but like don't cut anything that is a mess about because that's part of the charm I know I honestly I do leave in a lot of the ridiculous things I say I tried to scale it back for your podcast because you know I want people to continue to listen to you um <laughs> well I don't I I think like only six people listen to this so it's okay and I'm one of them so yeah so five <laughs> the five other people <laughs> also are related to you are probably gonna be fine yeah well i mean i'm hoping that we can get some more viewers or is it viewers listeners (laughs) ah forget i know you you need viewers and i need listeners and we all need a million dollars right or two or 20 i could go with 700 million (laughs) dollars wow (laughs) oh that's so nice i can't wait until we can have another slumber party oh the things i would do to have a slumber party right now i know i am literally like beside myself that i haven't seen you in like literally going on two months like that is hell on earth yeah people who are listening we probably you and i see each other like we don't live we don't live that close together you know but we see That's each true. other, I'm going to say, like, every other week, if not weekly. Especially when That's I work true. out with Brandon. I'm there, it's like, two or three times a week. So <laughs> we see each other a lot. <laughs> I know. So this has been quite a challenge, I yeah. must say. Yeah. Especially because, like, on top of you coming here to work out, like, you usually are also here once a week for a slumber party. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, it's the black t-shirt party, and we're always there. And sometimes we stay for two days, you know? 
yeah yeah it's weird it's weird to uh (laughs) i don't know it's all weird that's all i can say but it is all weird you're right but you know there's light at every tunnel see they're positive people press on gotta keep free and pressing on if you don't have a hobby oh um i'm gonna do this as a shameless plug uh to help out my older adults uh anybody who's listening and you're bored at home during covid and you know think you're a big bump on the log you probably are so (laughs) there's there's a lot (laughs) there's a lot of uh meal delivery services that uh deliver food to older adults in your community just look it up on google on the old googs look it up um and see if you can volunteer there's no contact you literally pick the meals up from the stoop of the place the delivery place and then you deliver to the old older person who um really shouldn't be going out so bump on the logs get the hell on it that's all I gotta say wow that's great yeah I mean and what a a lovely way to give back to the community am I right Mm -hmm. exactly I I would do it but I'm working so well yes true (laughs) only so many which (laughs) which also how is that going like working at home with dad more specifically oh my gosh I so I talked on the phone with people who um often are in crisis. So <laughs> sometimes dad forgets that and he'll just, you know, start talking to me randomly. And I'm like, "I'm on the phone." Like I'm like emotioning. "I'm on the phone." And he just keeps talking and you know, every day it's like uh like he just talks about the most random stuff and I'm like, "I don't get it. He won't he won't listen to this. No offense to you, girl. He just doesn't do anything." So, I can just say whatever I want, but like he literally just I don't get it. Like how do you have so much to talk about all day? And because like, he doesn't have anybody else to talk to. Yeah, and like at it's like it's 8 in the morning and like I'm downstairs and I'm barely freaking keeping on. Because it's eight in the morning. Who the hell's bright eyed and bushtail at that time? And he's like having a full on conversation with me, like because he's been up for four hours. Yeah, like, I was gonna four. say that's because that's like literally his lunchtime. Yeah, and like I'm like you're the only loser that's literally getting up at the same time that they do normally during quarantine. So maybe like sleep in a little bit for the greater good. <laughs> oh, you want to talk? That's a good podcast idea. What, Dad? No, he, well, he asked me today when he's going to be featured, and I said probably never. So don't <laughs> don't hold your breath. <laughs> I think all, yeah. all four of us should be on a podcast one time. That would be a treat. Yeah, you're not wrong. That would be something interesting. I don't even know what we would talk about. We probably just talk shit to each other the whole time. You're probably right. Yeah, it's all good. Which fun. I feel like you know, it's you'd just be thriving. Oh, yeah, we're thriving. We're killing the game. Do people still say those words? Whatever. I don't I don't know. What does that mean? Killing the game? Like, you're, yeah. you're I don't know. Um, you're great, I guess. I heard someone <laughs> say it, so now I started saying it. <laughs> I heard somebody say, do you dirty, and I started saying that, too. Do you dirty? Yeah, like, you know, I don't want to do you dirty. Oh, okay. That's a good one. Maybe I could keep that one. <laughs> oh my god okay I gotta cut this off because I think if people see it for more that it's more than an hour they're like I'm not ever listening to that yeah we're just at the 55 minute mark and I'm gonna have to cut you off yeah that's fine I we had it we had an intermission and that's fine I get it (laughs) 
<laughs> so w- do you have any final words? Um, yeah, I want to thank you for having me on today or tonight. Um, whenever you people are listening, if it's day or night. <laughs> Um, and I also want to make sure that people follow you on Instagram, Catch All Creative. Um, make sure they friggin' check you out, read your blog, because it's great. I read every friggin' episode or blog post. See, now I'm all confused. You have too many things going on. Um, and if you want to check out my YouTube, this is another shameless plug at Life of Katie on the YouTubes. Actually, it's just Life of Katie on the YouTubes. And uh, that's all. Love, peace, chicken grease. Wow, that's great. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And I'm sad that we didn't get to do this in person as I had originally anticipated. But I am glad that we got to do it at all. Yeah, because I think if we actually were together, I wouldn't be drinking tea. I'd be drinking wine. And it probably wouldn't sound, I wouldn't probably make sense. Which, I mean, I don't really make sense right now. So, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God, girl. Okay, well, I will let you go for now. And we will chat later. Well, ciao for now. Love you, girl. Love you, girl. Bye. And that's a wrap. Not too bad, right? I love that we got to chat and catch up. It's been an interesting time trying to navigate this social distancing when we are used to seeing each other pretty frequently. So I'm not sure if you picked up on that through our conversation, but we are in dire need of a slumber party right about meow. So That's it for this week. I want to remind you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and feel free to share it with somebody who might find it interesting. I'm always loving that we've got new people kind of joining us and being part of the community. So if you want to connect, find me over on Instagram. It's at catchallcreative. And otherwise, I'll talk to you next week. Okay, bye-bye.